Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to part three of the Stopcast. It's wonderful to have Katie here. We are wandering on Christmas Day. We're not really. We are. It, it isn't on Christmas Day. But, um, <laughs> I'd be it. very honoured if you were with me on Christmas Day. <laughs> oh, but but uh, you'd be with your with your family and so on. So, and whether you're listening on Christmas Day or another day, listen. We're very grateful to have you, and I hope you enjoy this third part. Now, we we kind of we started on this topic at the end of part two, and I really wanted to talk to you about this because. You sit in a position where you know you do so much in the mental health space. You're also in a career that's quite pressured. You're someone that's talked very openly about experiences of anxiety. And then when you add in really quite difficult topics, let's be honest, I wonder how you kind of manage that. So I just wondered, you know, perhaps to set the scene a little bit. You know, you're from uh, Manchester. Actually, producer Charlie's from Manchester uh, as well. Uh, and very sadly, it was back in 2017, wasn't it? It was the Manchester yeah. Arena uh, bombings where 22 victims, 22 people were killed. Uh, the assailant also died during that as well. And you made a um, docu-series about that, an audio docu-series docu about that. So I just wondered if you could kind of set the scene as to, you know, what, what that was actually like, what you were hoping to achieve within that series. And yeah, yeah. the reality of some of the things that you heard. Yeah, I mean, it was it, it was very close to home for me that um, that incident. You know, um, I've, I've spent my whole life going to concerts at that arena, so obviously, you you know, whenever something terrible like this happens, I think we all are affected, and we walk around afterwards a little bit more wary, and we think about how horrendous it would have been to to have been there or to have family members there. But when it's literally in a place that you know, I felt like it was my people. You know, like I I I was a little teenage girl going to concerts there going to see an Aaron Carter or NSYNC or Steps or and it, and it was that crowd wasn't it it was the young Manchester girls going to see Ariana Grande so that one just felt like it hit home a lot more so um yeah a few years later I was asked to do this podcast series this sort of documentary about how people were coping sort of a few years on so I went and met with victims um family members who had sadly died I met with people who were there who had uh had injuries because of what had happened um, and it was I, I wasn't expecting it to be as hard as it was there was one particular episode where I spoke to um, a guy called Usman and a guy called Martin and we sort of brought them together the idea with the podcast was to bring together two people who'd been affected and get them to meet and come for each mm. other and Martin two people perhaps that hadn't, hadn't met each other yeah, yeah hadn't met previously and this was a really particularly interesting one because Martin is an amazing person who um, was injured very badly in the attack and so was his young daughter. Mm. They both survived but they have life-changing injuries and mm. Martin's amazing. He like climbs Mount Kilimanjaro in his wheelchair and stuff like he's incredible and the way he's dealt with it I mean I just don't know how he has to be honest I don't know how he's got that resilience and um, Usman was a young lad who was working there and his story was so interesting because he was 17, about to like finish and go off 
to uni. He was supposed to do his last shift the week before, but he'd forgotten to book mm. it off. Mm. So he was there that night by mm. chance. He's Muslim. Mm. And he was one of the first people to sort of run in and see the scene. Oh my um, and so it was really interesting to hear from him what that was like for a young Muslim boy as well, because after that he experienced, as a lot of Muslim people did, a lot of racism in the streets mm. because of, you know, what, what people were, just, just kind of the state that I guess mm. the, the world was in after that happened, as it, as it often is. It can divide, really divide mm. people. Mm. But what I wasn't expecting was how badly affected he was and how he, he wasn't okay. <laughs> um, bless him. And he really struggled and he had to sort of take his microphone off and go outside. He was having a panic attack. And it was really raw. And it was amazing that they were brought together because from that, Usman got more help and he connected with Martin and it was really great. But I didn't realize that secondary PTSD was such a thing until I made that podcast series. I remember coming away from that that day and driving and I went in M&S food on the way home. For, I, I drove all the way home without putting the radio on, which I never do. And then all of a sudden I got there, I was like, oh, I've not put the radio on. It was like I was in a daze and then I went in M&S and I felt like someone was gonna attack me in there. You know, I had that feeling and I was like, oh God, this is bizarre. And now, and I actually went to the arena the other week um, with my other half and I said to him, we actually went to watch Jurassic Park with an orchestra, which was great. Um, and I said to him, I know too much now. And when I come here, everyone thinks of it now when they go there. You look around at that entrance where it happened and every single person is saying to the person they're with, oh God, this is where it was, this is, you know. Mm -hmm. But, and I'd been a few times before making this podcast series, but now I go back and I'm so tense because I know too much. I know the details. I know where the bomber was. I know where such a thing happened, you know. And I've got a real secondary PTSD from it. And that to me is staggering. It's really helped me have empathy for people who have PTSD because if that's how I feel, just hearing about it, how, what must it be like when you've been in, mm. in, in those situations? I can't imagine it. So kind of you, you're, because you'd heard so much of the stories and I guess experienced and felt the emotions yeah, it was of the, the emotions, people that you were yeah. with, you're kind of, is there some kind of sense in you kind of absorb some of that as in you, you yeah. take some of that and, with you? And, and, and you must have this. I mean, I, my, my niece works on A&E mm. as a nurse and I'm fascinated by how she copes. I'm like, how have, have medical professionals like yourself and, and her, my niece, Danielle, not, not ex how are they not experiencing PTSD? Um, but what I find interesting with her is, it's not the gore that affects her. <laughs> it's not the body parts. No. It's not the, you know, the operations and the, you know, the blood and all that. It's the emotions. Her hardest days mm. are when she's had this emotional connection with a loved one who's mm. maybe lost somebody mm. and she's had to give them the news or, and it's that, tra it's the trauma from the yeah, emotion, Yeah, well, I, I think it? the worst, like I said, the worst thing, the, probably, I think the worst thing, that's difficult. I think one of the worst parts of working throughout the pandemic in Lewis, and we were, we were absolutely hammered. Um, and I was working on recess, so that's the area where people are sickest pretty much the whole time within the COVID area. So like I was day in, day out there. And I think the hardest bits were, you know, things like not allowing, you know, yes, of course, the, the actual people dying, but like, honestly, like not allowing people to speak to their families and come in. Like that is some of the stuff that's made me feel the worst. I effectively prevented people coming to say goodbye to their mothers or yeah, whatever. Yeah, that must be really hard. And things like that, you know, and, and, and that, you know, that's what I had to do. And I, you know, I had to say, I'm sorry, you can't come yeah. in, you know, but, but we'll, you know, we, we did things like, um, got iPads and things so you can, you know, call people, but literally people were saying goodbye to each other over an iPad, oh, you know, and then that was, that was a very much a day in day out thing. I think that's probably some of the worst parts of it where people yeah. would think that, the actual physical aspect of people dying was the hardest part, which is which is interesting. So I kind of, to some some sense, kind of relate kind of relate to that. But I guess secondary PTSD, that's not really something people 
talk about a lot. And, 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 and I, I, this is where, interestingly, coming, coming on to, I guess, coming on to, I guess, information and kind of protecting sometimes your own mental health, it can be a real challenge in the modern day because in the past, say like something happens in the news, it's in the papers. If you don't buy that paper, you probably won't see it. Yeah. But now not only is it on the TV, that was obviously the next big step. I think one of the biggest obvious things that pops my mind is 9-11. Yeah. I think everyone remembers the images and where they were at that time. Absolutely. Uh, and then you step forward even further and it's now like we've got wars and conflict around the world and you've got social media, which just literally just pe- literally peppers it onto your phone yeah. and children at a very young age. So secondary PTSD is probably on the rise, I guess. I don't have any stats to kind of say that with. It's an interesting perhaps thought to think yeah. about. But you know, that information side of it, that ability to see, not even just hear things, see very graphic things. Yes. Or things that really are just very disturbing. Really with the younger generation, actually. Yeah, it's kind of, it's a real concern. So from the documentary, I just wonder, what did you take away in terms of, yeah, you know, in terms of what you found from the documentary, but also in terms of that managing that safety of your own mental safety? Does that, does that mm. make sense? And perhaps one of the things the listeners can take away to think about, particularly around what you see and perhaps what you watch. I mean, even things like, I really don't watch things like horror films anymore. No, me because neither. I think it just affects, I actually don't, I don't think we <laughs> realise how much it actually does affect your brain. I completely agree. And I really feel like social media needs to do a, a bit more social media platforms. My, uh, bizarre how things happen in life, isn't it? My niece was actually on the Rambler when the, the terrorist attack happened oh, there. Yes. Um, and she was phoning me and locked, locked down in a restaurant. And I was searching Twitter to try and make her feel better. I was looking at the news updates. I was going, I think they've got them. You know, I think, you know, it was a very strange ordeal. And I stumbled across a video Mm. of the victims on the floor. Mm. Um, And I watched it and it was so very soon. They hadn't been taken down. Mm. And I cannot tell you how much that affected me. Mm. And I cannot stress to people enough, do not look for that stuff. And it really worries me. Like if I have kids, I just don't know how as a parent you monitor this, but... I cannot stress to you enough how much you should not watch that stuff. Like I've worked with people who work in child protection who've seen really terrible videos as grown men and have been so badly affected by it. Don't think I'm big enough and brave enough. Don't yeah. let that, you know, we've all got that in us, haven't we? We've all mm. got that, that drive past a car crash and look mm. thing in us, that sort of curiosity killed t- yeah, cats. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that sadistic curiosity in us. But I cannot stress to you enough how much that can really affect you. Please protect yourself. Don't go looking for it. There's certain things we hopefully don't ever have to see <laughs> in our lives. So protect yourself from that. Um, I think I'm probably really bad at practicing what I preach, as I'm sure most people are, as I'm sure, you know, mm-hmm. any yeah, doctors are as well. Uh, you know, looking after everyone else, but not necessarily looking after yourself. Um, but I think it's, it's, about having, it's about having that toolkit in place and talking to people about it you know so i was able to come home from making that documentary and talk to my other half about it and probably mm. pass some of it on to him as well but you know each time you're passing that on it's getting less mm. great mm. i think mm. so talk to people share that information weirdly i i thought the thing i'd struggle with the most training to be a counselor because i've been doing a placement with the nhs i thought i would really take people's problems home with me because I'm the type of person that goes in Tesco and sees an old man and then worries about him all the way home. I'm like, is he okay? Does he have a wife? Yeah. Yeah. Is, he, is he lonely? Like, yeah. I don't even know him. My other half will be like, you know anything about him? He yeah. might be a horrible man. Yeah, or you might go home and have like 20, you might have yeah. like 20, 20 friends, and 20 yeah, wives. He, he might he have might 20 be, wives. He might be perfectly happy, you know. Or I'll, I'll, I eat alone in restaurants all the time when I'm away for work. I see yeah. someone else alone in a restaurant. I'm like, are they okay? Um, so I thought, gosh, you're really going to struggle hearing people's problems. And I haven't. And I think the reason I haven't 
my, my mum worries, you know, like I'll go and see her sometimes after a down placement. She'll go, are you okay? You're not taking it home with you. And I think the reason I haven't is because I'm helping them. So I think that can also be the answer as well sometimes, like do what you can within your power. So if you are struggling at the moment, seeing events in the news, do the little amount that you can, whether that's donating, whether that's signing petitions, whether that's sort of sharing information, whether that's educating your children or people in your life, do your bit and then separate yourself from it, protect yourself. Yeah. I, can't, I don't watch the news at night. I can watch like the six o'clock news, yeah. but I can't watch the 10 o'clock news. Yeah. Hold up, what was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I've actually, and I used to be someone that used to watch all of the news and I was yeah. kind of I'd sit there and it would something would happen I'd watch all of it and I, I, I deeply regret that I don't mm. do that anymore at all and to the point where I don't have BBC News on my phone um, I don't see any of the news and, yeah. and actually honestly like it doesn't really matter and my worry is like oh gosh like my, in the world that I'm working in like I need to know yeah but am I going to miss something I actually something? don't if something really big happens You'll I need to, to know. know someone will if something really important happens that I need to know someone will tell me yeah, you'll and get to know. I'll, and if it's within the mental health space, I'll get an email saying this, these things happened or whatever it is, yeah. I'll find out. It's not, it, most of the stuff that I'm seeing and hearing is not actually helpful at all. And I mean that not in terms of like a selfish sense, but me knowing doesn't actually help. No, and, I think, and I think it is fine to be a bit selfish about it. I think, I think it's important that we're woke and we're aware of what's going on in the world so that we can, so that activism is such sure. a big thing and so that we can do our bit to, to But you can't to fix everything. And I think that's where like, yeah. lots of going on right now. It's like, I'm taking on, I'm not saying, I'm saying, I'm not saying it's an individualist thing, I've assigned the role of taking like, mad health, I'm not saying that at all, but in my own life, in my own space, in my own being, my thing that I want to work at and I feel I can add the most value to is mental health. Yes. Therefore, trying to take on everything is not actually going to help anyone. I'm a no. big believer of like, you try and do everything, you don't do anything. And yeah. sometimes it is someone else's turn or job to try and take something on. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Sometimes, sometimes it is, someone else is better placed than you. Someone else is a, a able either because they have the voice to do it, or the understanding or the re whatever it is. They're in that place and it's okay. You don't have to take everything on. Yeah. Because often it's the same people who end up going, I have this awful thing's happened now. I need to do this about that. It's like, no, it's, it's actually okay. It is. For someone else to take this on. You don't have to carry the weight of the world. Avicii famously said, um, I carry the, I'm carrying the weight of the world, but I've only got two hands. Yeah, yeah, it's so Levels, true. I believe, isn't that levels in yeah. that song? Um, uh, and so it's, it's important, I think. So the information side, but also thinking like, how much can I really reasonably take on as one person here? Yeah, and, and you've got to you've got to look after yourself. Like, 
like you say there's a lot of people in the world like we can all do our kind of little bit but if you're the type of person who who like me really suffers with anxiety and you know that that's going to have a detrimental effect you're not going to be able to help people no. if you're not in a good state it's the putting the oxygen mask on before you help anyone else sure. isn't it if you're if you've not gotten the oxygen because you are piling too much on yourself you're not going to be much help anyway absolutely <laughs> so look after number one first and then you're going to help everyone else well, i think that's a great life hack to, to to move on to a health fact of the week on you know put your oxygen mask on look after yourself have your boundaries and yeah if this time of year is difficult then you know having a time that's not okay that you don't feel great is absolutely fine just surround yourself with good people and look after yourself let's do that uh, fact of the week then shall we so how fact of the week uh, in a young minds commission survey by census wide 67 percent of young people said that they would prefer to be able to access mental health support without going to see their gp but 53 percent said they don't know how else to access this help so i think this makes to me this makes a lot of sense given what I've seen and heard, and I've seen some of these surveys in the past anyway, that often big thing for young people is like barriers of access to treatment. Sometimes those things aren't necessarily physical barriers. They are multiple people and adults they have to kind of speak to yeah. and go through to access the help. What we know is that young people actually want, need and should have help easily available and as direct as possible isn't it and that's where like the early support hubs are very important or place to be counting other counsellors that are in schools it's 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 speaking to three or four different adults like a gp to get through to help yeah that creates such a barrier doesn't it i mean it does because also you hate that when you're a teenager don't you like you know you get to 16 and your mum says you know you can ring and make your own doctor's appointment you're like no don't make me speak to another human being yeah. you especially hate when it. you're anxious famously and millennials and below millennials and gen z we hate phone calls mm. we don't want to speak to another human being which is why like tech services like shout are so oh, incredible. amazing because incredible. because uh shout are a great example of, of texas you can google them to get the number i can't you remember can do it quietly and privately as well privately you know speak if to your someone. family are the problem and they're in the other room it's okay Exactly. you can text I, th I exactly. think those services are really so important. I think educating people about where they can get support is important because the second half of that kind of fact was around people not knowing where to go and I'd say if you can remember one place remember hub of hope hub of hope is a online directory just search hub of hope put in your postcode and it'll tell you what supports available where you are what they do how you access them because do you know what there is actually a lot of support both charity and otherwise but if you don't know about the support it mm -hmm. might as well not exist that sounds brutal but mm -hmm. like if you're someone that's struggling right now and you don't know where to go well, it doesn't exist, does it? No. For you. So that's why having just understanding at least one place you can go that opens that gateway, if you like, to all the support is an important thing. Yeah, Hub of Hope is absolutely amazing. I think it's, it's fantastic. And likewise, on the BBC, we have um, a page called Action Line. Yeah. So it's like bbc.co.uk forward slash Action Line. And if you go on there, like it's basically a list of everything you might be going through. And if you click on it, it tells you which helpline. Because it, there is there's so much out there. There's so many amazing people out there. I mean, yeah. I texted Shout when I was going through a really, really hard time. Um, and I never thought I would be in a position where I would feel that desperation, you know, with so many people in my life that I needed to speak to somebody like now. Um, but I did, and it's it's just, just incredible. Thank thank God for the people who do that. Yeah, absolutely. And perhaps that's a nice opportunity to say thank you to everyone that does provide the, provide the support, whether in the charity sector or you work in NHS or whatever. Like, just thank you for supporting people, especially this time of year, you know, around winter and so on. It can be really hard for people. And, you know, you're saving lives, really. So thank absolutely. you. Absolutely. Well, Katie, thank you so much for joining oh. me on that. What was? Oh my god, a rat just hit my foot! Did it run past? A rat you? hit! This is we it love bits hit. for the Stomcast. That's how we're ending the Stomcast, not on a thing. No, There's I'm a not massive okay. rat hit. I'm not okay. Did a rat just actually just pass it by? It hit 
my foot with force. Did you not hear it? No. I bet you could hear that that's on the podcast. That's what we've had several things happen on the Stompcast. That's that the was first... the weirdest thing that's ever happened to that's me. That's the first rat. Emma's been bitten, bitten by, stung by a wasp. Uh, Charlie's actually evaded anything. Uh, I've dislocated my shoulder. And you've, no. been, you've been smashed oh by a rat. God. That was weird. <laughs> what a way to end the Stompcast. <laughs> I'm not I okay. hope you're not eating a Christmas dinner, guys, while we just had a, oh, a rat. Oh my god! Do you know what it was like? It was like one of those toy ones that you get that you wind up like the just way it was it's moving. Just pretend it's a toy. It's a prank. You know, it's a TikTok prank. It Someone's going to jump hit. out. Yeah. Do you know that's my first London rat? Because oh. I spend a lot of time down here with work now, and people go, "The rats, the rats, the rats." I've never seen one. That is my first London rat. Gosh, we're not. No one's going to come to Regent's it, Park and anymore. It touched me. Once they know that we've seen a massive rat, was it that big? Was it a big? It ran into my Doc Martin. With so much force, I feel like I need to it's burn dented, this shoe it's now. It's dented your Doc Martin. Oh my god! Are you okay? Was, I think so. <laughs> you might actually need to get support. I think I might need to access the hub of hope Christ. after that. Hell, that's, that's chaos, isn't it? I wonder if he's got him for a swim. I he's think, disappeared I, into I mean, the lake. I mean, I hope he's okay because he really. And that shows a person you are. You're worried. <laughs> this is who she is. He she's really, like, she's traumatized at first. Then she's God, I actually really worried. He, I he hope really headbutted my Doc Martin. You're gonna be driving home now thinking, I hope that bloody rat's okay. Because I'll tell you what, a Doc Martin is like an army boot. Like he, he headbutted it. Thank God it. for Doc Martins. He might have been in trouble otherwise. <laughs> like imagine if flip sandals. Imagine if it was summer. What is summer in your sandals? There's another reason why winter's better than summer. You'd have to wash your foot down before you get on the tube. Actually, there's enough rats on there. So traumatic. Goodness me. Well. On that, on, that, um, on that reticulous note, I thought that was terrible. Uh, so thank you so much for joining us on the Stompcast. Um, join us on Behind the Stomp if you want to have, hear me and uh, producer Charlie now just reflecting on rats, to be honest. Rat situations. We'll see you there. You can subscribe to that on free trial on uh, Apple Podcasts. Um, again, thank you so much, Katie. That's so, so funny. Much, what a happy Alice. note to end on. Honestly, Is it happy? I don't really yeah, know. Yeah, it. well, it's Fun an eventful games, end. You know. It's an eventful um, end. Thank you so much. Take care, everyone. Look after yourselves. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. And goodbye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.